Welcome to Coffee with the Snows, where we talk about everything from the Bible to current events, but always flavored with high-octane caffeine and biblical thoughts. I'm your host, Art Snow, along with my co-host and beautiful wife, Sharon Snow. Hey, Sharon, how are you doing today? I'm actually doing really well. How are you? I'm good. You're looking beautiful today. Why, thank you. <laughs> actually, you're looking pretty sharp, considering that uh, as we are as old as we are, and we've raised five kids, right? That's, That's an right. accomplishment in itself. In fact, let's talk to the people today about what it's like raising children in a parsonage, right? Now, not everybody who listens to this broadcast can relate to that, but there are some people who can. And maybe you're not at a parsonage, but maybe you're in a, in a leader home of some kind where you're in charge of things and your children don't always grow up in a regular life. Our kids will tell you, growing up in the, in the parsonage was not a regular life, right? So I can think of a number of things that make growing up in the parsonage an irregular life. I can think of a number of pretty heated discussions with our children on parsonage <laughs> life. Yes. I was thinking of one thing in particular. Um, part of our life, our entire life has been funerals. That's what we do. It's part of our life, part of what we do, right? Right. So... We do funerals, and oftentimes we do funerals as a family. So our kids are involved in kind of setting things up or preparing things. And it wasn't that many that long ago that one of my daughters said to me, one of her friends had never seen a dead body. And she said that was so funny because she's seen dead bodies all of her life, <laughs> right. right? Because we've done funerals. It's just that little slice of life that is really different from most households. It's, it's also funny because uh, growing up in the parsonage, kids can assume that the rules, the family rules, are because uh, yes. we're pastors or because we live in a parsonage. I remember one evening when uh, our oldest daughter was, oh, maybe 14, 15 years old. She might have been a little older, certainly a teenager, and she... Uh, had a little burst of communication with me in <laughs> yeah. a rather loud voice. She said, I'm sick and tired of all these rules because Pop is a pastor. And I just started to laugh, which is probably not the best uh, response when your child is really, really angry. But I just started to laugh and I said, oh, you're so sadly mistaken because these rules would be the same rules if your father was a postman. These rules aren't our rules because your dad's a pastor. We love Jesus. We've committed our lives to serving him. And your dad and I could have any job in the world and our family rules would still be the same. And she was quite shocked. It kind of knocked the wind right out of her little sails. <laughs> Probably one of the biggest things our children have confronted uh, growing up in a parsonage, being pastor's kids, is probably they feel like people are watching them. They feel like they're, they grew up in a fishbowl they've said before, our glass house. All of our kids have complained about feeling, whether it was real or, or it was real to them, whether it was in actuality real or not. They've, they've all said that they felt like people held them to a higher standard than, uh, than any, anyone else, any other child in the congregation. And it, we've seen that a little bit uh, in some particular cases. But we've always been very careful to make sure that our church leadership knew that 
that our kids were kids, K-I-D-S. Yes. They were not born divine. Uh, <laughs> they, they were going to make the same mistakes and maybe different mistakes than their kids made. But they were kids and they were going to grow up and they were going to learn by trial and error, just like every other child. And that they needed to be afforded the exact same grace as anyone else's child in the congregation. And um, so we always had our kids back where that was concerned. And we tried to go before them and let leaders know that anything less than that would be unacceptable. Let's talk about the advantages of growing up in a pastor's home. Because I think there are probably are a lot of them. I, I can think of one immediately is that travel. Because of who we are and what, what our calling is, we've traveled all across the world. Certainly we've cra- traveled all across the U.S., and our kids have been exposed to all that travel, different cultures, different experiences. They've seen mountains. They've seen beaches. They've seen Central America. They've seen California. They've seen Central America. They've seen a lot of things, primarily because they grew up with pastors as parents. That's, that's very, very true. And they get to see that travel sometimes from a visitor's perspective because we're asked to go someplace. So we're treated very well. We're treated like a guest. And they've also seen travel from the missions perspective where we go to serve. And so they've had opportunities to serve and see things that have uh, given them a much broader worldview than some other kids. Um, if, If you just travel to France, it's one thing. But if you go to Central America and you serve in an orphanage, right. you, you know, then it, it gives your child a whole different perspective on the world and, and even world events. They see the, the whole world events from a completely different perspective. There's also the idea of adventure. I, I, I could tell you a story. We were in Mexico City and I had at least one, uh, two children, two children and a grandchild, I think, with me on that trip. And we took a bus way up the mountain to this particular fish um, restaurant, really well-known. They caught the fish, and then they brought it to you, and then they cooked it for you. So unfortunately, the bus service there was not real reliable. So at the end of the night, it was dark, and there were no buses. So we took about 20 people, 20 of us had to walk all the way down the mountain in some pretty dangerous roads, in some pretty dangerous environments. And so our kids got a chance to experience the adventure of a dark Mexican mountain having to walk all the way down the hill. Probably took us about three hours to get from the top to the bottom in some dangerous territory. And I taught our children a number of things, one of which is to trust God. Because in that situation, you had to rely upon God for your protection. So adventure is also part of growing up in a parsonage. I think, too, the advantage is at least our two oldest daughters, well, actually our youngest daughter as well, they've all had opportunities to travel alone and navigated that really, really well because they were well-traveled. So when Emily was a a teenager, she went to China alone, uh, all by herself, she went to the Dominican Republic. She went other places alone uh, and, and navigated that really like a pro. Uh, Danielle has traveled alone. Uh, in fact, she just went to Mexico alone. 
And Kate has traveled domestically, not internationally, but she's traveled domestically alone as like a 13 and a 14 year old. And again, did that with great poise and grace because she learned from us how to travel. So those are, those are advantages, not to mention they all know how to run office machines. (laughs) Yes, they do. (laughs) Like fax machines and they can fix a copier (laughs) and they can work you know, a telephone bank. They they learned those things because of being around the church. And it's to their advantage because some of their friends have no idea how to send a fax or no idea how to work a copier. But our, our kids knew all that and could handle that with, again, a lot of grace and poise to be able to do those things. Another thing is uh, all of our children are not necessarily motivational speakers, but all of them feel pretty comfortable in public because they've grown up in a public environment. And I think that really helps a person. Uh, I I heard not long ago that the fear of public speaking is greater than the fear of death for many people. So (laughs) it's kind of hard to believe, I know. But but all of our kids have grown up knowing that that we're kind of in the spotlight because of who they are. So it's not unusual for them to have to to share something from the pulpit or share something, an announcement in church. So there's there's a comfortableness that I think our children have or any child has growing up in an environment like this that other children may not possess. You know, one of the other things that I've noticed that we never really spoke about but all of our children acquired a very high degree of confidentiality. Oh, I, yes, that's right. I remember at times in our ministry when our office was in our home, and uh, Emily was our only child back then, but she would never mention to anyone who she saw come in our house for counseling or for help. It, it just was never anything that she spoke of outside of our home. Sometimes we have to handle very explosive situations outside of office hours. Someone sh- will show up at our home or there'll be a crisis and we'll have to deal with it. And our kids have been so incredibly respectful and confidential about never repeating any of those things. And they would always come and ask us, uh, they have compassionate hearts. They would always come and say, did you work that out? You know, like <laughs> yeah. with, without ever asking for details, they would just want to know if we resolved the issue because of the, their compassion. And a lot of times um, they would even come to us and say, it sounded really loud, so I just prayed. You know, it, so mm-hmm. it, it right. taught them how to uh, handle uh, difficult, explosive, sad, traumatic experiences where some kids are really shielded from that, and then they have to learn that as an, as an older teenager or a young adult. Another idea for, I was thinking about was how we have to sort of navigate and maybe sometimes share uh, the, the, the going to school plays or, or one thing at school or another because we do have evening uh, uh, obligations, right? So sometimes I have to do the evening obligation, you go to the concert, vice versa. Right. And I think that for us, uh, we've recognized that ministry is a decades long uh, ordeal for us, but raising your children is a momentary right. ordeal. And so uh, I can remember 
putting someone else in charge of Wednesday night Bible study so we could attend Emily's softball games, you know. And then, of course, the more children we got, the more obligations there were. So (laughs) sometimes we had to split when there was no church obligation. And so I think that having a child that grows up in a parsonage know that despite emergencies, despite all the demands on their parents, they are still the priority. That's really, really, really important. And along that line, all of our kids know that unless we're dealing with an absolute crisis, if they, if they need us, they can enter our office and they, they can come in and we'll interrupt what we're doing and we'll, we'll talk to them or we'll, you know, we'll give them a hug or we'll hear what happened at school. And then we can go back to whatever else we're doing. And I think that's, Probably, I don't know that they always felt that way, but it certainly, we tried to make them always understand that no matter what, they were our priority. So a couple of things I'm thinking of right now. First of all, um, whenever the phone rings and it's one of our children, I always answer the phone. I say, excuse me, it's my daughter. Even if in the middle, middle of a counseling session, because a couple things have to happen there in that conversation. First of all, my child needs to know that I'm available to them. Second of all, the person I'm counseling or talking to in the office at that moment needs to know my children are priority. So I've always answered my children or my wife's phone call, no matter what's going on in my life at the time. The other thing I'm thinking about is I knew a couple people who are children of pastors, and their main complaint was that dad and mom were not the same at home as they were in the pulpit. I, I think that's incredibly sad. And when our kids were little, we used to play this game. Uh, it's, it's actually a Jewish game. I can't remember what it's called. But there were little cards, and uh, you would pull out a card, and you would ask a question, and that would be the question for the night. And one night, the question was, uh, who in your life do you most admire? I think that was the question. And uh, one of our girls answered first, and she said, I'm going to say mom and dad, because they're exactly the same at home as they are in church. And I remember crying. (laughs) That's the best answer that I could ever, ever, ever have. And then each of the girls said, yeah, they are the same. And it was just this amazingly wonderful affirmation that, you know, we'd done it right, that, that we'd done it correctly and we'd actually accomplished the goal we set out to, that our kids would never say that we were different or treated them different at home than we would treat them in public. And it made me so incredibly happy. I felt so blessed in that moment. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm thinking about that. Of all of our five children, I have to say that they have not been the neatest people in the world. Oh, really? That, that, I have to come to that conclusion. So, now we have lived for uh, 16, 27 years in a parsonage, which means that the, the, the building, the house we live in doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the church. So, consequently, if somebody stops by from the church, the house has to be presentable for people to walk in, have a cup of coffee, maybe even they're going through conflict, they come in, we help them walk through the conflict, which means our house has to be 
relatively picked up and neat, at least on the first floor. Yeah, well, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that that's, that's one of those um, focuses that I, I think as a father, you would demand that whether it was a parsonage or not, because that's a, that's a value to you. Having a house that is, uh, you don't care what the closets look like <laughs> as, as long as everything looks neat on the outside. And so I think sometimes our kids feel like it's because it's a parsonage, but really that's a value for us in any case. But that, that has been a pretty much consistent battle for us throughout our years yeah. of child rearing. But we, it, it gets okay. It's, it gets okay. It's, it's so right. here's what I'm thinking now is that if, if we have young pastors listening to us, young clergy, young couples, raising their children, kind of feeling their way through life, and what advice would you give to them? Do not isolate them from ministry. That's good. I like do that. Not, do not isolate them. Do not make your family life completely separate from your church life, but include them. I specifically remember Hurricane Sandy when that hit. You and I worked from daylight till it was dark and we couldn't work anymore because our electricity was off for however many days. And our kids were up. Our kids were serving. They were serving food to our neighbors. They gave their beds up for people who came and stayed with us to help us serve. And they loved it. When we talked to our kids, those are some of their favorite memories of working with us, you know, in the church. And so I always feel sad when I see pastors who insulate their children or isolate them from the work of the ministry. Uh, and it doesn't hurt them to clean a few toilets once in a while. That's right. Or run off the bulletin if you still have them mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever. It, it allows them to see that it's just not all about preaching. There's many, many, many things that you can do to serve God from the time you're a very little child. And it, it teaches them to, to give and to serve, which is the greatest gift we can give our kids. That's good. I'm thinking to encourage young pastors and their, and their wives to love their children everywhere they go and to incorporate Christ in everything they do. So I can remember as our kids growing up, a couple times this happened where the cashier would give us too much money, right? Remember that? Right. And we would say, no, no, you've shortchanged yourself. Or some one time they didn't charge us for something. We got out in the car and realized they forgot to charge us for the item. So we took it back. And the kids were just watching the whole event unfold. And it taught them something. And it was the value of honesty. So you have to be Jesus all the time. Jesus when you're preaching, Jesus when you're counseling, Jesus when you're at home at the dinner table. I think that's probably the best advice that, that anyone could give is if you cannot model Jesus in your own personal life, then really this little girl's opinion only, you have no business standing in a pulpit. Because if you're different, if you're not modeling Jesus to your children, if you're different at home than you are in the pulpit, then you need to really ask yourself, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because if you cannot be Jesus to your family, then I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure how you can be Jesus to anybody else because it's, it's a dichotomy that just doesn't. Uh, let, let me close our broadcast, our episode today with this story. James Dobson tells a story of one time 
he went fishing with his father. And he remembered the specific day he went fishing with his father. It was one of the most the highlights of his childhood. His father died, and he went back through his father's diary. His father kept it a really uh, specific diary, wrote everything down every day. So he went back to the specific date, and his father said, uh, fishing with James, caught no fish, day wasted. Uh, and it broke Dobson's heart. Because from his perspective, it was the best day of his life. So it really is an important thing to realize that you have to invest in your children and uh, deeply love them and help them understand that they're part of your life and they're part of yours. And time is far more important than money. Amen to that. Well, indeed, our time is up. Speaking of time, coffee cup is empty. So that's my cue to close this episode for today. Until we meet again, keep your coffee strong and your walk with God stronger.